This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Welcome to the Sleep Hole Podcast, where there's no disqualifications on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and this month is going to be looking very explosive for the wrestling world. First of all, we have the WWE Night of Champions. Now, let's analyze this real quick, because I know not everything's set in stone, but you know we only got a little bit to go before it happens, and our next podcast won't be until after Night of Champions. We have the Rusev and Dolph Ziggler thing, which... Yeah, I'm rooting for Dolph Ziggler, but it's kind of getting old, guys. I I hate to say that because I know it's going to go on for a little while, but it's become where it's not really a Dolph Ziggler and Rusev thing, but more of a Lana and Summer Rae thing. So let's cut the crap, get the guys out of there, and give the fans what they all want to see and what we all know is the true meaning behind the story. Let Lana and Summer Rae fight. Let Lana kick Summer Rae's butt because, well, that's what we all want to see anyway. We have Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose with a mystery partner going up against the Wyatt family. And it's including, you know, Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Braun Strowman, I believe his name is. I don't know. To me, it looks like he's a hulked out Bray Wyatt. He's kind of creepy looking. Honestly, I feel like the mystery partner is going to become Randy Orton. And if you haven't seen Monday Night Raw... You need to see it to understand where I'm coming from because, well, spoiler alert, Randy Orton, he gets jumped by the White family. So, of course, he's going to have a motive now to, to team up with Ambrose and Reigns. Now, I'm a fan of Ambrose and I'm a fan of Reigns, but I have a feeling that this match is going to end up going towards the White family. None, it's going to go that way until we have a Shield 2.0 reformed with Ambrose, Reigns, and whoever else. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it needs to somehow magically be Seth Rollins again because they were the perfect trio. I don't see that happening. If it does, whatever. If it doesn't, well, hopefully whoever they get will bring a good thing to the table. We also have... Let's see here. We have Nikki Bella and Charlotte. The Divas match. Charlotte actually gets a chance this upcoming... Monday Night Raw to try to take the title away before the countdown is up. I don't see that happening. I, I like Charlotte, but I have a feeling that they've made it this far to making where Nikki is going to underhandedly get the record broken and beat AJ's record because she's going to be sneaky about it. So I have a feeling that using champion's favor, She's going to somehow get herself disqualified or cheat or counted out or something to where she keeps the title. And she's going to end up keeping the belt for Night of Champions, which then turns around and the authorities will be like, no, 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 that's not fair. And they're going to give Charlotte another chance at Night of Champions. And then that is where Charlotte's going to win the title and become our new Divas Champion. Just my theory. We also have on Monday Night coming up we're gonna have the new day versus primetime players to see who becomes the champions to take on the dudley boys 
and that's going to be at the Night of Champions. Honestly, I'm rooting for the Dudley Boys on Night of Champions. They were one of the most decorative wrestling tag teams out there. They helped revolutionize a lot on Raw between them, the Hardy Boys, and the team of Edge and Christian, my favorite tag team outside of the Hart family, or Hart Foundation even. But I really honestly think it needs to be the Dudley Boys because they're bringing back something that's been missing a lot. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the wrestling tag team division has been growing, but it hasn't quite gotten there yet. I think that the Dudley Boys are going to bring it back over the edge. Besides, 10-time tag team champion. That just sounds so cool. So I'm rooting for the Dudley Boys on that one. Um, Let's see here. We know that Ryback has to defend his title sometime on Night of Champions. They haven't announced who, but I'm going to gun for the fact that they're probably going to give it to Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens is just being a pain in the neck. And hopefully he doesn't win the title, but if he does, meh just means that you know somebody awesome is going to take it away from him again and we're going to have a temper tantrum kevin owens and then we have oh yes seth rollins is doing double duty ladies and gentlemen first he has to deal with john cena because john cena turned in his rematch clause for night of champions after getting screwed out of his title smart move cena now i feel that cena is probably going to win that one because it really Makes sense for Cena to have that belt. He's a good defending champion. But he may not win that one. It may go to Seth Rollins, and this is why. The other match that Seth Rollins has is against the icon, the franchise, Sting. You know, the man who really became the logo and face of World Championship Wrestling before it went under. Sting is an awesome guy. I mean, granted, he's been in this business for quite some time, and some people would say he needs to be out of the business, just like they would say about Undertaker or anybody else who's been in it for so many years. And that's a yes or no type thing. Don't get me wrong, and don't get me really started on that. But at the same time, I feel that it would be a great way of tipping the hat to Sting and being respectful to Sting to get him the World Heavyweight Championship that I feel he should have. He would be the proper defending champion. So I could see Sting winning the World Heavyweight Championship and then John Cena losing his chance. So who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, United Champions is a unique pay-per-view because all titles must be defended. So who knows? And... It's going to look good. Plus, we also, like you've heard with the Wyatt family versus Ambrose, Reigns, and a mystery person, not all matches are going to be title matches. So we also got some good stuff to look forward to there. Also for September, Penfall Wrestling Association is exploding with September by having three shows this month. Starting off on the 12th of September, PWA presents No One Survives which is at the Bogarts Banquet Hall. Then the Day of Reckoning is upon us come September 19th, and that's going to be at Lanphier High School. And then let's not forget that on the 26th, it's the Beardstown Beatdown 2, which is at Beardstown, Illinois, during their fair-like event. I can't remember what exactly it is. My brain's not here with that part, but I know we're going to be there. It's supposed to be a really big turnout. It's supposed to be a lot of fun from what I hear. I'm excited to go to all three of these events. 
if you want to find out more, check out PWA on their Facebook page or their website to get more details on each show. But trust me, these cards are looking promising. And if you haven't been to a PWA show, you need to make sure to come out to one of these shows this month. Now, let's get down to some business here. We're going to be continuing the Behind the Curtains series with a quick episode to compare some of the fine details between independent wrestling companies and national companies like the WWE. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've been involved with the independent wrestling world on various roles, and each of them do play a vital part. So the way we're going to go about doing this one is I'm going to bring up a topic that I feel we need to look at, and we're going to compare how it's different and similar to the national world and the independent world. And you're going to see that there's a lot of similarities between them, and you're also going to see that there's also some great differences. And before I get going, just because I know there's going to be some monkey clown out there, try to make sure I keep this PG who's going to send me a message or is going to complain left and right going oh he says that's how the independent companies works I run an independent company and I don't do it that way that's not right that's not how the companies work that's not how my company works yada 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 dude chill out first of all shut up second of all and realize that what I'm telling is how majority of companies are that I have seen I'm not saying that this is how it is for every company. I'm not even saying this is how it is for when I ran UVW because I did things very unique. I have people who could vouch for that. But it's what I've seen from the outside looking in and also just being a person who is very observant while working with people in the back. So it may not reflect all independent companies, but it does reflect how a lot of them can be. So, without further ado, we're going to kick off this match of what I call the match of the independent world versus the national or WWE world. Now, both sides of the independent wrestling and national wrestling provide great shows for their fans. There's no doubt about that. But they do have some unique differences between how they are with their fans and their fans in general. When you look at national wrestling and their fans, they have authentic fans. Um, Their fans are by large volume, you know, by the thousands. And they, you know, are really there loving what they're seeing, just like any fan would be. But most of the time, the fans are not able to get a chance to know their superstars on a personal level or have a sincere time with their superstars that they really are big fans of, even with the use of social media. My best example of this is, you know, let's let's go with John Cena because I can use that as a personal example. And this is nothing against John Cena. I like John Cena. The guy is awesome, in my opinion. But, you know, when they had the WWE Live here in Springfield one time, it was during my nephew's birthday. My nephew is a huge John Cena fan. So I made a poster board that said, for my birthday, I want John Cena to beat Bray Wyatt. Because my nephew hates Bray Wyatt and they were in a match that night. Took a picture of it, posted it up on Twitter, and I was like, hey, John Cena, my nephew's really rooting for you, yada, yada, yada. And... 
it was something to that extent, but it never got responded. You know, there was no favorited, there was no retweet, there was nothing. And that doesn't mean that John Cena didn't see it. It doesn't mean that John Cena didn't care. It means that the man has so many fans who, at John Cena or whatever his screen name is on Twitter, that it probably got lost in the pile of stuff or it got to where he saw it but he couldn't really comment on it because the man's busy. He's usually, like the, as I say, first one in, last one out type of personalities. So... I'm not saying boo John Cena for not noticing my, my nephew had for a sign and all this stuff. It happens. No big deal. whoop de frickin do But it's an example of what happens. Again, though, John Cena is another example of the other extreme that happens with the national world. Because they have so many fans, John Cena is able to do things that not many people have the opportunity to do. He has granted 500 Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes for children that's freaking awesome my hat's off to john cena for that and and the same can be said about other superstars i mean stephanie mcmahon has really helped out with the be a star campaign and sheamus has been a part of it roman reigns has been a part of it big show has been a part of it the list goes on these are great things that you don't normally get to think about or see but these are what happens and yes they do get that somewhat personal connection that i'm saying they're lacking but let me explain how it goes with the independent world and you'll kind of see where i'm coming from here with the independent world we get to know our fans by name we get to share that magical bond and know that those same people look forward to seeing us the next show and sharing the stories with each other once more as for you know how things go we, we may not always know their name but we're going to recognize their face. And sometimes we do get to know them on a personal level where after the show or whatever, we get to talk to them. One of my best examples is when I first started managing, which here's, here's giving a little rib on myself and a little embarrassing myself as well as giving a shout out to one of my friends and fans. Um, her name is Robin. And when I first started managing, I was managing under a different alias and I was playing a very dark and serious type of character. I didn't really say much. I just barked orders to my minion and blah, 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 you know, very dark and kind of Undertaker-ish, but not. Um, so I'm trying to play this very dark guy, and she, I can't remember what she said, but she said something that it made me want to bust up laughing. I so badly had to fight with everything I had not to break character. And she knew what she was doing. She was aiming to break my character because of how serious I was being. And she knew how I was outside of the ring. I had to give the most sadistic grin and almost to make it have the better effect of being pretty much insane and sadistic and monstrous. I kind of forced myself to drool a little bit just to go like, oh my God, he's creepy and demented. And it was one of those things of after that fact, anytime I try to do something heelish, I, I took a note from this and realized that she dishes it out because she can take it. And I would go back and forth with her sometimes. And it was one of the best things because not only did we have that, but it fed off to everybody else and it caused that great energy with all the other fans to hate me at the time or... I sometimes would joke with her as a face, even you know, after I did the whole change and now as priest. And the fans loved it. They ate it up because her and I would joke about the other superstars, you know, and I'd 
you know, I love Robin to death. She's a big girl. But I would sometimes look at other ones who superstars who are up there who are bigger guys, and I'd be like, man, he needs to take notes from you. He needs to go on a diet. I mean, you're looking great. He looks like he's about to break the ring, and fans would eat it up, and she would just egg on with it. So it's those type of bonds that we get as independents that are so unique, and sometimes we just can't say we never wanted to trade it for the world because it's so awesome. So, I mean, you see that there's quite a little bit of a difference there, and it's, it is a big trade-off. You have either the national popularity by the thousands or that close bond you get between you and your fans. Another thing that is so great about the independent world is the exposure to training. You know, aside from the Tough Enough series that we just saw, WWE is... They're about to do another one on NXT, I mean, on uh, WWE Network that's about training. And it's a training camp type thing to give us more exposure. But we usually don't hear much about training with the WWE. It, it's more of a... There's a power, you know, well, as WCW used to call it, there's the power plant or there's this place or there's that place. The performance centers, WWE calls the place in Florida. Um, Booker T has his own training camp. I mean, they'll, they'll mention small things like that, but you don't really get to see that true exposure. And, you know, there is the NXT uh, shows, which they're not really training. They're more post-training. They're like kind of being in the Division two of college sports, whereas... The big names for WWE, like Raw and SmackDown, are Division Three college sports. But, again, you don't really hear too much about it, which, to me, is kind of a shame, because that's where it's really fascinating for me. But when it comes to locally, we hear about the training camps from the companies and the hard work that these men and women go through to do their best to be there to perform for their adoring fans. Many of these trainers have been in the same roles they are training for, you know, a referee trainer, they've been a referee before. They've probably been it for a while, and they know the psychology of it, not to mention how to, you know, call things and whatnot. You know, I, I truly believe that one person that would be great as a referee trainer is Robbie McCann. And he's a great wrestler, but he, before he was a wrestler, was one of the best referees out there. Uh, managers and valet trainers, they usually have been trainer and they've been managers and everything else before valets before so they get that psychology and they get how to be a face manager of valet or how to be a heel manager of valet and get involved uh one of the best ones out there that i ever had trained me was pat mcgroin and i know i mentioned him at the last episode you know he taught me a lot of the heel stuff i had other people who've been a wrestler and a manager like billy reno teach me a few things for face managing um, and then you have wrestling trainers who have been wrestlers before or are currently wrestlers. Um, look at Guy Smith. He's an incredible wrestler, and he's an incredible trainer. I've actually watched some of his training regimen. He doesn't just say, here, let's run the ropes. Here, let's do bombs. Here's... He pushes them through a physical workout. I mean, he really pushes them hardcore, and I love it. I think it's what you need to do. But my thing is, what I'm trying to say here is that it's like making everything go in full circle. What's great about this is that while they're being trained, many of the future talent will end up pulling their weight and earning their respect by not only doing like paying their dues, like we talked about before with ring crews, security, whatever, but they actually, you know, watch and they'll ask 
they won't just be the egotistical snobs. They'll go up to people like Guy Smith or whatnot and say, hey, I want to learn how to do this. Or, hey, how can I make this work for the fans? You know, they, they are eager to learn. And there are these people who are experienced like Guy Smith are more than happy to teach them because they have that experience. So you see a lot more of that easily exposed with the independent world, and it's so awesome. The WWE, or any other of the big national wrestling companies, they usually have like a legal team hired, and that's all they do. They're, they're hired at the ready for them to do any of the work at a drop of a hat, whether it's contracts, lawsuits to prevent, or whatever. Um, they're completely a team built up and organized because, well, the big companies can afford to have people at the ready like that. Whereas for the independent company, it sometimes can be overlooked before they realize how much it may be needed. Um, I mean, they'll do stuff like, you know, liability waivers or whatnot, but they won't really go through all the details. And think about it. If something goes horribly wrong, especially if a fan is involved, you may need to get an attorney. You're having talent sign legal documents, again, like the liability waivers and contracts, so, again, you may want to have a legal advisor look over that stuff. It's best to have these guys at standby to make sure that there's no loopholes in what is being agreed. Um, not saying that, you know, you need to pay them to always be at the ready, but make sure you know them and say, hey, look, on these certain time frames, I would like to meet up with you for consultation or... You know, I have these papers. And if you, once you can get the template made, that's great. And if you can have it where they know that they're going to be your exclusive um, your exclusive attorney, that's also good for them because that makes them have a set business. So if something does go horribly wrong, there you go. A defense prosecutor or whoever is right there for you in case somehow a fan does get hurt. Heaven forbid. Here at the Sleeper Hold Podcast, we strongly believe in helping others. Therefore, we have decided to feature a charity every quarter that we are supporting and invite you to support as well. Following his induction into this year's WWE Hall of Fame, we have decided to make our first charity, Connor's Cure. Head on over to our website at thesleeperhold.com and click on Connor's Cure on the right side of the page for more information. <clears throat> the WWE also has, just like other national companies, a way to pay their talent very well. Their contracts state for the talent to work so many days out of the year, usually 250 plus, and they'll be paid so much money for these services. And sometimes there's even a royalties for merchandise sales or a boost pay for certain type of shows, like you know a TLC type show because that's very dangerous, whatever. I mean, so think about it. We're talking anywhere from five to possibly even seven-digit figures for the year for these guys. And it is understanding with how many days they work. They are rarely having any days off unless it's due to serious injury. And, you know, they don't get to see their family much, and that does get away on them. Now, as for your local talent, sometimes they are paid just enough for gas and for food. Sometimes they aren't even paid at all. At other times, 
they do get paid pretty decently because they have done a really good job or the company's running really well or whatever. Pay is very different in the independent world, and I don't think fans realize that. You know, The payments usually they highly depend on ticket sales. I, I'm not going to lie. The more people who are in seats, the better. The more merchandise that gets sold, the better. And that's why most companies also let the superstars sell their own personal merchandise on a table or whatever because that's a way for them to make money and also have more exposure. So, I mean, it, it's give and take. I've, I remember back in my days, our, our part of our payment, I mean, we made sure to try to pay everybody as much as we could before even I took up any type of profit. But one of our big things was you want to make extra money from the flat rate, sell tickets, come back to me with what you sold and how much money you have from the selling the tickets, and you're going to get cut because you're bringing people's rears to the seats to watch the show. It was that simple. And people overlook that. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to make my guys sell the tickets and then they're not going to get anything, not even gas money, or that's all they're going to get. It kind of sucks for the wrestlers. I mean, yeah, they're doing it because they love this, the whole entertainment. They love being a wrestler and a, a big-time superstar for the fans. But you got to remember that these guys are putting their bodies on the line, so it does get kind of tricky sometimes to see how different companies will work. Uh, but again, some, most of the time the companies are very understanding and will stick their neck out for these guys. Even if it's not straight out like that, they'll do other things to show these guys their appreciation and do a payment in some right or form. Um, I, like I said, I, I think it's kind of funny that most of the talent, they don't care. They do this because they love wrestling. They love to the, do the shows for the fans. They love their fans. So if they get paid, it's a bonus to them. They could be working minimum wage jobs and they still wouldn't care, regardless of how much their bodies are put on the line. These uh, women and men, they. The women and men, they do such a great description of what I always hear the qualities are required to be successful in this business. And it's passion and heart. And it, and it just it gets me overwhelmed a little bit because they are kind of being gypped, but at the same time, they're doing something that makes me honor and respect them way more than I could ever honor and respect anybody else. So I, I love how the local talent works in this whole system. Both fields of wrestling have their agents. That's very important to know. The main difference is that most of the time, the agents of the independent circuit are actually the owners or certain bookers who work directly for the company and work inside the company for upcoming matches. As for <clears throat> the nationally required and recognized companies, their bookers are usually just that. They're bookers. They research, they scout um, only if they're asked to, but usually those agents are the ones who are doing all that. And the bookers are just the ones going, hey, these people say this is the guy. We're going to give him a chance. We're going to throw him in match XYZ. Um, the agents will be the ones to look for the talent tell them to come to the training camps or smaller divisions of the company and then let the people know above them hey you need to watch this kid and from there it's all up to the big names of the company to make the final say for local it's usually the agents who are tied so closely to the bookers or the owners 
and sometimes even they are the bookers and owners that there's no need for flagging the attention of those above them. It's to simply go, I like this guy. We need to book him. Trust me on this. And that will do it. Uh, the WWE and other national th- companies, they have a series of writers to work out their storylines and plots of what you see on TV. Even with the declaration of Kayfay being dead by Steve Austin's podcast while talking to Triple H, there's still many things that are planned out and prepared. Um, sadly, with all their writing talent, it seems that sometimes they still mess things up as it was all a bit too predictable, which I hate. But they do have a team. And the team is usually multiple people who throw things around and they come to a decision at a board meeting or something like that. And I'm not going to say that the independent companies don't have writers and or a team to work out these storylines. But more often than not, you see authentic moments in the local shows that you will not get anywhere else. Um, the local wrestling bosses are not usually sitting there telling their talent what exactly to tweet or say during promos. They're not telling them how exactly everything should go down. They may have plans for them and help them excel. They may even have plans for how the match should end, like, you know, somebody interferes, whatever. But with the writers being independent men and women, much of what happens can also fall on them as if it would be, you know, part of the company. It's not going to be where it's just, hey, it's a bunch of writers. No, it's, hey, this is a representative of the company, and they're the ones doing the writing. Um, there's also that authenticity, again, that you just can't get anywhere else. And again, I mean, maybe it's just that because you get to have that personal connection with them, unlike you can with the ones who have thousands of fans in the WWE or wherever. Maybe that's why the authenticity isn't there. I don't know. It could be also, again, like I said, Kayfabe is pretty much dead. Whatever. Um, I don't know, but I feel like there's more authentic feel with the storylines locally. All right. So here's one that I know some might scoff with, and I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Uh, National companies will have medical staff at their beck and call. And I say people scoff at them because of the various controversial incidents that have been reported in the professional wrestling history, you know, such as the people who have concussions or the staff infection from uh, punk and everything else. So when someone is hurt or injured, they can be first evaluated by their medical staff before needing to see a different doctor or go to a hospital nine times out of ten. And that's, you know, actually pretty beneficial because it's right there, a quick evaluation. But, you know, here in the local world, you may have a few people who are on hand that have been nurses or whatever. But more than likely, if you get hurt, it's someone rushing you to the ER. The shows are usually in the evening and more likely on a weekend. So there's usually no chance for you to go to a doctor, a urgent care, or prompt care, whatever like that. The ER is your only choice. Um, Also, with the national shows like the WWE having their medical staff to help take care of things internally... It does help cut down on medical costs when possible. you got to remember, for the local world, it's their responsibility and often put in a liability waiver 
to carry their own insurance and have that at the ready just in case. I mean, after all, it is now part of the law with the Affordable Care Act. And does that mean the nationally recognized talents have their own insurance too? Or do they have it now through the company? I am not sure. Um, I know that they're contracted, so I'm not sure how exactly that's going to play out. But I'm sure that they do have insurance of some kind now. But still, with the internal medical staff, it's still going to give them the care and treatment they need so they don't have to fork over a large chunk of money to rush to the ER since they landed wrong or something like that. It's another reason to respect these guys. I mean, they do take a beating and still have to suck it up on their own when it comes to the local place. They don't have somebody right there that they can go to sometimes. Now, last thing I want to bring up that I can think of comparing are the designers and editors. Now, I know this can be considered vague, but the same rule applies here. Whether it is with video and music, websites, attire, the nationally recognized companies are going to have their own teams to help with each of these areas. And, you know, they have exactly that complete team. It's not just one man who's running all the cameras or music. It's not one man who's doing the website or one man, woman, whoever being the seamstress or whatever you want to call it. it it's a team. It's a, it's a group thing. And, you know, they have, for the national teams, they have fashion designers to get that right look to fit the gimmick. They have web designers on a team to make everything look sharp. Uh, musical editors to make sure that the music is just right for every occasion, even you know to coincide with the video editor team who goes for the entrance music to entrance videos. They run the cameras, make sure to change to camera one to camera three, camera five, whatever. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of great teams out there to give us that beautifully polished look that you see on the national side. And when you're here with a local company, you really have two options for each of these. Find someone who knows how to do all this and you know do it right or learn it yourself. When I ran a company, I was lucky to have some web designing and music editing experience. If I hadn't, I would have needed to find someone to do it and likely for a cost or learn about it myself. You know, now I do uh, video editing, you know, for a lot of the things. I can do that now for companies. If they have a show that they did and they recorded, I can edit it up, make it look really nice and pretty polished compared to just a simple recording. And they'll have something a little bit sharper to sell on DVD. But, you know, many business owners face this problem, too, and they end up having to learn a lot on their own to make things successful. And let's make sure to mention that, you know, for like fashion designers, they have to go find somebody who knows how to do that because most of the time they're not going to know how to do all that. And if they do, more power to them. But nine times out of ten, if they don't know how to do it or the talent doesn't know how to make the look that they want, there it's time to go hunting and find that right person on their own and find that seamstress who can make it all happen. Again, it's not easy, and it's definitely not cheap. So, as you guys can see, there's a lot of differences between the two wrestling worlds, and there are some similarities. Um, 
the wrestling world is not cheap. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of things that are involved as we've done with this whole series. Um, and it, it can be very merciless to the talents. I mean, the talents, they get a lot thrown at them, a lot that has to be done. And I think that they don't get much respect for this as they should. But as you can see, and as many of them would tell you, it's very rewarding. They love it, and they wouldn't change it for the world. So personally, if you ask me my best advice, next time you see one of them, thank them. From the bottom of your heart, sincerely, thank them. Because these men and women, they're flat out awesome. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Holt Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com to comment on episodes, read our blog, for information about the quarterly charity, and more. See you in two weeks.